Welcome to Russian History Retold, episode 197, Things You Didn't Know About Russia. Last time, we talked about some things you might not have known about the Soviet Union. Today, I'm going to share things you may not know about Russia, both old and new. It's been a lot of fun researching this episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed putting it together. What I did in my research was to find unusual or fascinating things about Russia and use multiple sources to verify them. Now, if you find something that isn't really the truth and you know about it, contact me on our Facebook Russian Rulers History page, which, much to my surprise, is growing every day, nine years after it was started. Lots of great pictures and articles are being shared every week. The first fun fact is that Russia's most celebrated museum, the one found in St. Petersburg, the Hermitage, employs around 70 cats, which guards its treasure against rodents. The tradition started in 1745 via decree from Empress Elizabeth, the daughter of Peter the Great. The museum also has almost 14 miles of marbled corridors. We all have heard about Red Square in Moscow. But did you know that it had nothing to do with communism and their use of the color red? The term Red Square comes from the word krasny, which in Old Russian meant beautiful and now means red. The present-day Russian word for beautiful is prikrasny. Now, when you go to foreign countries, it's important to follow local customs. Well, if you decide to give flowers to a Russian, it's proper etiquette to give an odd number of them, unless you're going to a funeral when even numbers of flowers are proper. In the past, I've talked about how large Russia is, but some facts really put this into perspective. As we know, Russia is the largest country in the world. But did you know it has been this way since the 16th century, when explorers claimed lands east of the Urals and Siberia? It is both the largest country in Europe and Asia, and presently shares its borders with 18 other countries, which is also the most in the world. While three-quarters of Russia is in Asia, only 22% of its population lives there. Russia is also home to the world's longest railway, the Trans-Siberian Railway, which almost spans the whole country going from Moscow to Vladivostok. Taking a train on this railway nonstop would take you about 152 hours and 27 minutes. There is one so-called fact about the size of Russia that is commonly claimed on the internet that's actually somewhat false. Russia is not larger than the planet Pluto. For decades, this has been claimed by many, but when the New Horizons mission from Earth to Pluto passed by the planet, it remeasured its surface area. Russia is 17.075 million square kilometers large. Previously, Pluto was thought to be 16.6 million square kilometers, but the new measurement puts it at 17.64 million square kilometers. Still, it is impressive that the land mass of Russia is almost as big as Pluto. Staying with the size issue here, Lake Baikal, found in Siberia, is truly massive. 
It contains an estimated 23% of all the fresh water in the world. Its 5,670 cubic miles of water is greater than that of all of North America's Great Lakes combined. It is also the deepest lake with a maximum depth of 5,387 feet or 1,642 meters. It is also thought to be the world's oldest lake. It's known as a rift lake, and it's supposedly around 25 to 30 million years old. There is an unfortunate fact about Russia today, and that is their poor life expectancies, especially with Russian men. A male in Russia has a 25% chance of dying before the age of 55, with a total life expectancy of 64.3 years as of the year 2013. Women do considerably better with a life expectancy of 76.1 years. There's good news, though. Over the past few years, the overall life expectancy of Russians has been improving and has been for the last 15 years, but it's still nowhere near other developed countries. As you may know, the Russians held on to their use of the Julian calendar far longer than pretty much anybody else. They didn't change to the Gregorian calendar until 1918, the same time as Serbia and a year after the Ottoman Empire. Because of this, in 1908, the Russian Olympic team arrived at the London Games 12 days late. Now, similar to how the United States and North Korea have not signed a peace treaty to end their war from the 1950s, Russia and Japan have yet to sign one to end World War II, thanks to a dispute over the Kuril Islands, which stretches from the Japanese island of Hokkaido to the southern tip of Russia's Kamchatka Peninsula. What this means is that, technically, Russia and Japan are still at war, according to some, but in reality, it was the Soviet Union at the time, so it might not be entirely true, but there is still a little bit of hostility between the two. Heading further back in history, the time of Ivan the Terrible, we have the design and construction of the iconic St. Basil's Cathedral, also known as Cathedral of Vasily the Blessed, or officially, Cathedral of the Intercession of the Most Holy Theotokos on the Moat. It was built between 1555 and 1561 to commemorate the capture of Kazan and Astrahan by Russian forces, ending those two remnants of the Mongol invasion. One of the two architects who designed the amazing building was Postnik Yakovlev, who, according to legend, was ordered to be blinded by Ivan the Terrible to stop him from ever building anything quite so grand. Yeah, well, that's very likely to be untrue, as Yakovlev was known to have helped design other buildings and walls around Russia, even after Ivan's death in 1584. Now, did you know that Ivan's mother, Elena Glinskaya, wife of Vasily III, was a descendant of the Mongol warlord Mamai, whose army was defeated by Dmitry Donskoy in 1380 at the Battle of Kulikova. Well, after Vasily died, Elena would be Ivan's regent as he was only three years of age. She too would die while Ivan was eight, under very suspicious circumstances. But it seems like I read somewhere uh, just this morning that they've exhumed her body a few years ago and discovered that, yes, she was poisoned. Now, speaking of suspicious circumstances, we have Ivan's third wife, 
Marfa Sobkina, who was the winner of 12 finalists to become Ivan's wife. Well, this was not going to turn out well for her, as Marfa's mother allegedly gave her a potion to make her more fertile. Unfortunately, the drink ended up poisoning her. She was so ill that she could barely stand on the day of her wedding, and she died a few days later. This would increase the paranoia of Ivan and his erratic behavior. Now for something completely different, and kind of bizarre. When I first read about it, I thought, no way is this real. But after further investigation, I found that, yes, in Russia, bears have become addicted to jet fuel. Bears who live out on the Kronotsky Nature Reserve have taken to huffing jet fuel out of old barrels until they're dizzy enough to hit the ground. They would go so far as to stalk helicopters for their fix, scavenging for and sucking up any excess fuel as it leaks onto the soil. Who would have thought huffing bears? Here's yet another fact that I hadn't heard of until researching things for this episode. Did you know that the United States and Russia are actually only about four kilometers or two and a half miles apart? At first, when you look at a map, the gap seems far greater with the Bering Strait separating the two nations. Well, the reason the two countries are actually a lot closer than you think they are is because of two islands known as the Diomede Islands. One is owned by Russia and the other America, with them only being four kilometers away from each other. The next one is kind of pretty common knowledge that Russians are noted for their affinity for vodka. But that is not their most popular drink. Tea drinking is big there, so much so that it ranks fifth in the world behind Turkey, Ireland, the UK, and Iran. It is estimated that the average Russian drinks six cups of tea a day. Heading back to vodka, it was supposedly first introduced by Genoese ambassadors in 1386 when they presented Grand Prince of Moscow, Dmitry Donskoy, with a bottle of what was called aqua vitae, or the water of life. According to legend, though, it wasn't until 1430 that a monk named Isidore from the Trudov Monastery inside the Moscow Kremlin made the first Russian vodka. The first official writing about vodka came from Empress Elizabeth on June 8, 1751, which regulated the ownership of vodka distilleries. For over a century, the government controlled all that production and distribution of the drink, making it quite expensive. In 1863, the control was eliminated, making vodka prices plummet and available to almost everyone. While the government monopoly was over, they continued to tax vodka. This became a very lucrative tax, as at times it would supply the Russian government, and this number just blew me away with almost 40% of its annual revenue. Around the turn of the century, it was estimated that 89% of all vodka consumed in the world was by Russians. Today, it hovers around 70%. The revenue that vodka taxation provided became very clear in the last decade of the Soviet Union's existence, when Mikhail Gorbachev reduced the production of vodka by 40%. It is estimated that it cost the Soviet government approximately 100 billion U.S. dollars between 1985 and 1990. Who would think that vodka production cuts would be one of the causes of the collapse of the USSR in 1991? 
Now it's time to head back to some Russian history here. Did you know that Catherine the Great was asked by British monarch King George I to supply him with 20,000 land troops to deal with the American rebels in 1775? The British, while they had the best navy in the world, were a bit strapped for soldiers. What they did have was an abundance of cash, and the Russians were always desperate for that commodity. Negotiations continued for a while, as the Russian empress was certainly not a fan of rebels, having just dealt with the Pukachev rebellion. But she was no great fan of the British either. In 1776, she finally said no to sending Russian troops. The British then turned to the Hessians for help, paying them to head over to the colonies. The delay in getting these land troops was a significant reason why the Americans won the war and became an independent nation. And they have the Russians to thank for it. We know from episode one that the Vikings, known as the Varangians, led by Rurik, came to the land we know as, the, as Russia in around 860-862. But did you know that they had been coming to the region of Novgorod in that re- whole area for centuries The Vikings in Russia came as traders, not conquerors. They first appeared in the area in the 6th century and had some run-ins with the Khazars. The Norwegian and Danish Vikings were focused mainly in Western Europe, but the Swedes looked eastward to the Baltic and what is now Russia. Many of the Vikings that traded in present-day Russia hailed from Burka and Gotland in present-day Sweden. Something for those of you who are listening from Moscow, you probably know this. It's been noted as having the world's worst traffic, with millions of commuters stuck in congestion for hours at a time. Now this, I learned, was quite interesting. To avoid getting stuck in traffic, many wealthy Russians, and by the way, there, may, there are more Russians uh, or billionaires in Moscow than in almost any other city in the world, including New York. Well, these Russians, these wealthy ones, known to hire taxis that look like ambulances for an average fee of about 171 U.S. dollars, complete with a siren that is used to force a path through traffic. Quite ingenious. Well, I hope you enjoyed this kind of short episode. Join me next time when I hope to review the lives of the reigns of Fyodor I and his father, Ivan the Terrible. Before I go... Please try out my other history podcast, Battleground History. There are quite a few Russians in it, along with many of the greatest historical figures and events in world history. So until next time, das vidanya i spasiba bolshoya.